0: Matthew chapter 13, verses 1 through 9. That same day, Jesus went out of the house and sat by the lake. Such large crowds gathered around him that he got into a boat and sat in it, while all the people stood on the shore. Then he told them many things in parables, saying, A farmer went out to sow his seed. As he was scattering the seed, some fell along the path. 60 or 30 times what was sown. Whoever has ears, let them hear.
1: Hello and uh, good morning uh, and welcome to our assembly here at Central. My name is Jay Manimtim. I'm the full-time minister in this this congregation and uh, I'm also a father. You know, Linda, my wife and I are uh, parents to uh, three young children. And I just want to say here that it's amazing uh, to be a parent. It's just an, a great experience. One of the most uh, humbling things about being a parent is when your own child uh, teaches you the fundamentals of life. You know, stuff that you already should know because you're an adult and a parent, and they teach, the, they teach that to you. That happened to me uh, last week, actually, when I was preparing for this sermon. Uh, I was sit, sitting in, in my office at home, and uh, I was preparing for the sermon, and all of these ideas came flooding in my mind. So I just started to type it and write it down so I don't forget them. And in came our second uh, son, Daniel, who's four years old. And he had something to say. But you know how sometimes kids, are—is uh, they can't communicate what they have in their mind quick enough or fast enough? And I guess I was getting, you know, like, I guess impatient because i had this thing that i had to write and i can't i can't miss the stuff that i'm thinking about so that i can type them and so he started to say something while i my eyes were was affixed to the screen and i was yes yes daniel what do you want to say he would start his sentence and he would he would not finish it and i would ask him keep going and the same thing happened all over and over again and then he said something that made me stop like something cut through my heart when he said this so he said it with a frustrated voice he said dad you're not listening to me you know that's that's an excellent reminder for me at that time and as a parent you can understand like we need to really as parents we need we need to listen and hear our children i said that story so that i can open up and introduce our lesson this morning not only as parents, but as Christians, as true followers of God, we need to be good hearers and listeners. Why? Because God's word is really only good and beneficial to those who will truly listen to it and apply it in their lives. This morning, I'm going to talk to you about how well we hear and listen the word of God. And this is going to be The first lesson in our new sermon series called The Parables of Jesus. Um, You know, when Jesus was on earth, he had a lot of followers, as we uh, heard in the scripture reading this morning. Lots of them, hundreds, thousands of followers. He was being crowded every time he went out. But many of these people who followed him did not follow him because they wanted to hear what he had to say. They didn't follow him because they wanted to sit down and listen to him talk they wanted to be there for the spectacle they wanted to see the miracles they wanted to see somebody get healed somebody uh some 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 demon to be exercised out of them or they wanted to benefit from some from from the fact that sometimes Jesus would feed the multitudes they were there for their own gain and you know what jesus did something to distinguish between those who are true listeners And to those who are just curious. You know what he did? He spoke to them in parables. A parable is is a Greek word that means to cast or throw alongside. So it's this idea that's cast alongside this other idea as an analogy or uh, a comparison. Many parables are stories. So some people say that parables are earthly stories with heavenly meanings. And that's fair enough. uh, But Jesus used that to distinguish between those true listeners and just those who are curious. Because if people were just curious, they would listen to the parable, and they would, I don't understand, and they would leave. But then if you were really interested, that you would stay and you would ask, what does the parable mean? That's why in Mark 4, 34, we read, Jesus did not say anything to them without using a parable. But when he was alone with his own disciples, he told them everything. Right? It's made to conceal and also to reveal to those who are really interested. And in our sermon series from February to April, we're going to learn from the feet of Jesus, the great teacher himself, as he teaches us more about his kingdom. But this morning, the first lesson in our series is a parable that clearly illustrates the manner in which people listen and hear the word of God because it dictates how they will respond to the Word of God, and that parable today is the parable of the sower. Uh, Jesus talked about the earthly story uh, in, the par- in the in the verses that uh, Levi just read to us this morning. In this parable, it's, it's very simple, really. It's about this sower, the person who had seed in his hands, and his job was to just really broadcast the seeds to the, uh, onto the field. And the parable is made up mostly of where these seeds fell. So, Jesus said that some of those seeds fell on the path, along the path. And if we know the path, if you can see it there, nothing grows on the path because it's hard-packed. And when you put seeds on top of that path, it's not going to go inside. It's not going in to the soil. It stays on top for the birds to see and take away. The next, Jesus talks about the seeds that fell on the rocky ground. And because of the shallow soil, the seeds sprang up quickly, and because... The roots are thin or, or shallow. It dried up because of the sun and the elements. It just withered and died away. Next, we have the seeds that fell among the thorns, the weeds. Uh, in this particular area of, uh, of the ground, uh, Jesus tells us that the weeds and the, and the seeds grew together and the thorns were more powerful and overpowered the delicate plants and choked them out. So we see that these three are not where we want to be. But Jesus talks about the good soil, where it's tilled and opened to the seed, to receive the seed, where it grew and produced fruit to maturity. So imagine yourself when Jesus was there and you were there, part of the multitudes on the shore, while Jesus preached this story on the boat. You're probably, you know, if, if we were not interested in what he was to say, be like, what is he talking about? He's just talking about some seeds falling on some ground. What does that have to do with anything? Or as the saying goes, what does that have to do with the price of fish? We would leave. But then we're blessed because this is one of the parables where Jesus explained it and it's recorded. The explanation is actually recorded for us in scripture. So what is the heavenly meaning? Behind this earthly story. That's what we're going to spend most of our time with today. Jesus starts with the seeds along the path. The people who heard the word of God along the path are like this. He starts in Matthew 13 verse 19 to explain what that parable is about. He says, when anyone hears the message about the kingdom. Let's stop there. The parable is about hearing the word of God. The seeds represent the word of God. And the different types of soil represent the different types of people who hear the word of God. The different types of heart that respond to the word of God. It continues. And when anyone hears the message about the kingdom and does not understand it, the evil one comes and snatches away what was sown in their heart. Some people hear the word of God this way. And the message of the kingdom of God, the word of God, is wasted on them. Why? Because they hear it and they do not understand it. And so the devil, the evil one, Satan, takes it away from them. You're probably asking, well, how come they don't understand it? How come they don't understand it? That's a good question. In Second Corinthians 4, verses 3 to 4, uh, the Apostle Paul gives us an idea on why people do not understand the Word of God. And even if our gospel is veiled, it is veiled to those who are perishing. The God of this age has blinded the minds of unbelievers so that they cannot see the light of the gospel that displays the glory of Christ, who is the image of God. Why would people not understand the Word of God? Because it is veiled to them. It is covered. Why is it covered? Because they could not see the utility of it. They do not see its importance. It is foreign to them. And we ask the question, well, why is it foreign to them? Why can they not see the light of the gospel that displays the glory of Christ? Who is the image of God? Yet another good question. The Hebrew writer in Hebrews chapter 3, verse 13, digs deeper. He tells us exactly why. But encourage one another daily as long as it's called today, and this is the reason right here. So that none of you may be hardened By sin's deceitfulness. Why would some people not understand? Because they have been blinded to it. Why have they been blinded to it? Because their hearts have been hardened. By what? Sin. When we reject the truth many times over, our hearts become hard. And then our conscience becomes seared. What is now... What, is, what, what used to be wrong becomes right. And then when we come face to face with the Word of God, which is pure truth, we look at it and we scratch our heads and go, it doesn't make sense. And because we're not interested, it doesn't make sense to us, we leave. We hear the Word of God, and we were right the exact same way where we started. We did not change as a result of the of the word of God. So those individuals that received the word along the path could be best described as those with hardness of heart. And then Jesus continues to explain the ones on rocky ground. He says this. Matthew 13 verse 20. The, the seed falling on rocky ground refers to someone who hears the word, right? So who hears the word And at once receives it with joy. probably think, there's nothing wrong with that. There's nothing wrong with that. It's excellent. You can't be too quick to do what's right. Right? They receive it with joy. But the problem is not with the person's enthusiasm. This is the problem in verse 21. But since they have no root, they last only a short time. That's the problem. Is the people who do this, their faith, is shallow. It's not rooted in the Word of God. Perhaps they're more into emotions rather than the actual conviction of the actual Word of God. Their knowledge of the Word is not deep enough to really convict them of their relationship with God. And so what happens? When trouble or persecution comes because of the Word, they quickly fall away. They leave the faith just as quick as they received it. That's the problem. The faith is shallow. The faith is superficial. It's not deep. So those on rocky ground can be best described as those individuals that have shallow faith. And then we go on to those people who heard the word of God among thorns, weeds. Jesus has this to say about that. The seed falling among the thorns refers to someone who hears the word, but the worries of this life and the deceitfulness of wealth choke the word, making it fruitful. Now, is, it's interesting to see that these individuals, they hear the word. They accepted the word. They become Christians. But there's a problem. The words of God, the word of God in their hearts, something happened to them. Does so something happened to it? It got choked. It got choked out. It got pushed away by what? By the worries of this life and the deceitfulness of wealth. In Mark chapter 4 verse 19, in Mark's version of the uh, of the parable of the sower, he gives us another idea on what these weeds, what these spiritual weeds are like in our hearts that push away the word of God. But the worries of this life, the deceitfulness of wealth and the desires for other things come in and choke the word, making it unfruitful. The desires for other things. You know, Satan, it's interesting because Satan, uh, to those individuals with hard hearts, the ones where the words won't go through and penetrate because their hearts were hard, like the packed surface. The packed path, the packed dirt. He just doesn't leave it there. He doesn't, oh, it's not going to go through, so I'm going to leave it there. You know what he does? He takes it away anyway. And that's the exact same thing that he wants to do to those individuals who accepted the Word of God and has been germinating and growing in their hearts. He still wants to take it away from them, from us. And you know what? He does it in the craftiest of ways. It is unbelievable sometimes how he does it. You know what? He does it so that he, he can distract us from our God. So that we can turn away from our God. And he doesn't do it blatantly. He doesn't go right away like dangle something. Hey Jay, you need to murder someone. You know what I'm saying? Like he works up to it. He dangles something in front of us that's good first. Actually, that's not even bad. Good. Like Our jobs. Our families, our friends, those are good things. Our hobbies, things that really that, that we enjoy. Maybe even a potential spouse. He puts it in front of us and he says, This is good. And then slowly but surely it, it sometimes it distracts us from God. It pushes away the word of God from our hearts. And here's the crafty part. The crafty part is sometimes we would do we would be on our way doing these things and we would go, Wait, am I doing something bad? And this is the crafty part. We're gonna say, well, no, I'm not doing anything bad. Even though we've been, we're, 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 we're sliding away from our faith in God, even though we're pushing away the Word of God from our hearts, we're gonna say, no, I'm not doing anything bad. You know why? Because these things are something that's good to start with. So we would rationalize it by saying, well, God wants me to have a job. God needs me to do well at my work, at school. He wants me to have good friends. He wants me to enjoy myself. He wants me to do well with my family. So I don't think I'm doing anything bad. That's the problem. And one of those things, and one of the things that Matthew or Mark did not mention, but Luke mentions, is something that we, that that, in my opinion, is the number one distractor for us today. In Luke 8, 14, the seed that fell among thorns stands for those who hear, but as they go on their way, they are choked by life's worries, riches, and what does he say? Pleasures. Entertainment. You know, we look back and we go, am I doing anything? No, God wants me to do this. But I'm saying this not to make you feel bad. I'm saying this so that we can all be aware of Satan's schemes. We can't be ignorant of that. We need to understand what he's trying to do here. We need to understand that those who hear the words of of God among thorns are those individuals, maybe Christians, who are distracted. Now, before we go to the good soil, I want us to really relate this to our lives today. I want this to be real for us today. I want us not to forget about this. Because these three things, according to the parable, are the not-so-good ways that we listen or hear the Word of God. These are the ways... That God does not want us to respond to his word. But these things explain exactly the world in which we live in today. This world expo- explains exactly what happens in churches today. Not just outside, but inside. Do you guys know what the Bar- Have you guys heard of the Barna Group? The Barna Group is a polling firm based in California. And in 2014, they did a poll of Americans uh, to find out, essentially, you know, putting it simply and plainly, who went to church and who did not go to church. That's what they did. In 2014, they looked at the population of America, right, and they figured out what percentage of people are churched and unchurched. That's how they termed it. So, uh, this part here are the ch- unchurched, right there, and this part here are those who are churched. And under the unchurched uh, section, we see that 10% of them are the purely unchurched. That means that they do not currently and have never attended a church. In religious circles today, we call them the nuns. Because they have no religious affiliation. When they're filling out a form, religion, they put none. They're the nuns. Okay? Now, 33% of them are the dechurched, Those who were once active in church but are no longer. In religious circles today, you know what they call them? They call them the duns. Uh, I don't know if you guys can see that. The nuns and the duns make up the unchurched. Now, you can clearly see what Jesus is talking about here, right? You can clearly see the effects of a hardened heart, of a shallow faith, and of a distracted Christian life that leads to people being nuns and dons. And we can be here, sitting here and going, Jay, we should rejoice because we are none of them. Because if you're a nun or a don, you would not be here today. That's great. But you know what? I just need to say this to you because I would like... To encourage you today that a shallow heart, a shallow faith, a hardened heart, and a distracted life is not only reserved to those who are here. Satan is alive and well and is reaching in into the church. For those who are church today, we could be in danger of those things. My professor at Harding School of Theology, Dr. Carlos Gupton, termed something that people who are churched are afflicted with today. He called them the overdones. the nuns, the duns, and we here in the church can be overdone. You're probably scratching. Your head. How can Christians who have been in church for a long time become overdone? These are the ones who have been complacent and who have become missionally ineffective for God. They're the ones who come and hear the word of God and allow their minds to wander. The message is being preached. The study is on. Their minds are wondering, what am I going to do today? Oh, what time is the game again today? What time is this sermon going to finish? Because I got to go. But it's okay because, you know what, it's entertainment or it's work. It's things that are very important. But we have to be careful because we do not want to substitute the number one thing in our lives, which is God, to something that is fake or temporary. And we could do that when we let our minds wander. The overdones are those who are, who are like the scribes and the Pharisees. When they hear the word of God, they dismiss it out of pride or arrogance and say, oh, I know that already, or it doesn't really apply to me. Christians become overdone. You know how? When they hear the word of God, and they instead of introspecting, instead of saying, oh, that's actually for me, they look at other people. Oh, that one's for that person. That's That one's for that family. Oh, I, yeah, that, I, I wish the family was here to listen to this, because that's totally for them, not for me. We become overdone when we look at the Word of God and we do not respect it. We look at the Word of God and we dismiss it outright, or oh, that's not correct. Or we look at the Word of God and instead of really understanding it and hearing it, we, the first thing that comes to mind is, well, there's exceptions to that. That's the problem. And you know what happens? We become overdone And the word of God is wasted on us. Because we are this viewer, we've been attending or hearing sermons or Bible studies for so long. And we were the same way as we were 10 years ago. Five years ago, a year ago, yesterday. And the word of God is not doing its work in us. But brothers and sisters, it doesn't have to be that way. It doesn't have to be that way. It cannot be that way. I love the table talk today from our brother John. There's a way to the good life. That's not the good life, being overdone. There's a way to the good life. And that way is the good soil. Jesus says of the good soil, but the seed falling on good soil refers to someone who hears the word and understands it. This is the one who produces a crop yielding a hundred, 60 or 30 times what was sown. How can we till the soils of our heart so we become the good soil? When we hear the word of God and understand it with the objective of producing a crop. Not just being here, not just for intellectual purposes, but really to effect a change in our hearts. To serve the one and only God, to be his people, like what Gary prayed for today. To be his people. But how do we do that? You know, Mark, oh sorry, Luke, in his version of the parable of the sower, gave us an idea on how exactly we can do this. As for that in the good soil, they are those who, hearing the word, hold it fast in an honest and good heart. We need to cultivate a heart that's honest and good because if we have a heart that's honest and good we are going to hear the word and hold it fast we're going to hear the word and we're going to retain it we're going to respect it and we're going to do it right an honest and good heart is the heart that looks into the word and looks at something that's well I never saw that before well if I put that that means that I was wrong and this is right An honest and good heart would say, well, let God be right and I be wrong. I'm going to put away the wrong that I used to know, and I'm going to put on the right that I know now. That is an honest and good heart. You know, in the NIV, the honest is translated as noble, like heroic. Let's have that heart. And I just want to remind all of us today that bearing fruit takes time. It requires patience. And I just want to encourage all of us to always keep being open and receptive to the Word of God. The more patience that we practice, the more understanding that we are going to obtain. Going back to my story when I started the sermon this morning about my boy Daniel. If I had just been patient, I would have stopped what I was doing looked at him and actively listened to what, he was t- to what he was telling me. And if I had done that, I would have actively understood what he was trying to tell me. I owed him that as his father. It's the same thing to us as Christians today. If we're going to be the good soil, we need that honest and good heart. And one last thing that I want to tell you, if we have that honest and good heart today, We are going to be uh, able to do what Jesus said at the end of his parable. He said in his parable, He who has ears, let them hear. How well do we listen? How well do we hear the word of God? Make it new in our minds and our hearts today. Because this is where the rubber meets the road. If today you would like to really make this one ring true in your minds and in your hearts. Why not accept Jesus today? What is stopping you? Is it the hard heart? The shallow faith? Or the distractions? Please make your decision today. As we stand and sing the song of invitation.